We are now recording. All right, I'm gonna go silent, and then we're gonna just roll. <clears throat> okay. Welcome, everyone, back to the broadcast. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network, and I'm going to timestamp this one because who knows what will happen. It is 12.02 p.m. when we are recording this podcast. I'm joined by Tracy Pearson. Tracy, nothing new going on in our world. Oh, not for me. I've just like been, you know, out in the backyard sunning myself. <laughs> as nothing, one does, no, as one yeah. does in the December offseason here in sunny Southern California. Yeah, nothing to do. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. nothing going on at all. Um, yeah. Nothing, nothing weird in the world of uh, basketball, certainly. And uh, I can't think of a single thing that's going on in UCLA football right no, now. No, nothing really. I mean, is there something going on we don't know about? That's a great question. Um, <laughs> all right, so uh, the situation as it stands as of right this minute is that uh, Oregon is in need of a football coach. Uh, with Mario Cristobal's uh, expected but somehow still sudden departure to Miami uh, last weekend, sending uh, Oregon into, uh, oh, we'll, we'll do a little bit of um, a duck pun and say a little bit of a tailspin. Um, it's a little animated uh, animated uh, cartoon uh, uh, reference for everyone out there. Um, sent them into a little bit of a tailspin and they've been out um scavenging for a new head coach and uh oh look they found one uh chip kelly chip kelly uh is uh, the current ucla head coach and um he is also as as you may be familiar with uh also the former oregon head coach um 46 and 7 in his time there 18 and 25 in his time in westwood um now right now we don't know exactly um and maybe you can you can chime in here. We don't know exactly uh, whether this is going to become uh, a reality here uh, in the near future, but certainly seems to be some major interest from Oregon in UCLA's current head coach. We really have to watch the exact words we use. Like right when you said, "Oh, they found one, Chip Kelly," everyone could run with that, Dave, and said and and say, "Dave just said Oregon hired Chip Kelly." I mean, so everyone parses our words, so we have to be very, very careful and selective the exact words we use. Um, the latest, latest of what I just, uh, sorry, I just put out, UCLA has a formal contract offer on the table to Chip Kelly. Um, now, uh, we had reported before that Oregon was very interested in Chip Kelly as its next next head coach and what I was hearing intended to hire Chip Kelly. Now, of course, there's a big difference between an intention and it actually happening. Um, in the latest story that I, I just wrote, I revealed that uh, Kelly had done an interview. It was presumably on Zoom, even though we have plenty of conspiracy theorists that are monitoring various Nike jets that are flying all over the Southwest. Um, and with that offer on the table, it's, it's really Oregon's next move. Um, what do they do? Um, do they want Chip Kelly? And if they do, we have heard that they want to get this done fairly quickly. They've interviewed Chip Kelly 
uh, Justin Wilcox, uh, who else? Uh, uh, BYU coach Katani. Kalani Sataki. Katani, yeah. Kalani Sataki. Kalani Sataki, that's him. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, what I heard was that, uh, you know, Kelly came away as the most impressive of those interviews. I mean, you can see why. There are people in the Oregon administration, they're familiar with him. He, he probably is the smartest football guy in, in the Zoom room. So, yeah. Um, we, we know they want to get this done fairly quickly. That's, that's their preference. They'd like to get him uh, a new head coach in place by the weekend. So we're waiting right here to see if Oregon puts a formal offer on the table to Chip Kelly. And I also wrote in that article from what I've heard is that UCLA at this time right now, I had heard there is not a plan to counter an offer from Oregon. So things now, of course, huge caveat, everything can change, right? Um, we know this. All of these situations are always fluid. But that's where it stands right now. Uh, now you and I can start speculating because mm-hmm. that's that's, that's kind of what, what I know. Yeah. So uh, the speculation is would how sizable, how big of a bump was the contract that UCLA offered Chip Kelly? How much bigger would... Oregon go. Um, does that mean anything to Chip Kelly? We know he does like and prefers the lifestyle in Southern California. Uh, was this all a ploy from his new agent, Jimmy Sexton, just to try to leverage a better deal? I mean, he is Jimmy Leverage Sexton. Um, and UCLA has had quite a history with him being Jim Mora's. Uh, yes. Yes. So... There's a lot to talk about. I'll let you go first. You, you start going. I think um, the concern for me would be if um, the UCLA administration or booster base or anything got too concerned and overly concerned about the optics of the situation. Um, you know, the, the pride value of not having your coach uh, poached by Oregon, by, by an interconference um, rival. That would be the point where I'd be like, well, no, you're, you guys are making the wrong decisions here. Um and that, that uh, uh, I think, is determined by the complexion of whatever this extension was. Because um, if it's the basically the max extension they could have offered, which would have been, I think, 20% over the last year of this contract, plus 20% graduated for each individual year following, um, taking them up to like something like $9 million by the end of a four-year extension or so, uh, that would be crazy. Um And if it includes significant buyout provisions, that would also be crazy. Um, That's overvaluing um, Chip Kelly uh, as an entity right now, as certainly as a UCLA entity. Um, It's overvaluing the program he's built at UCLA. Um, And it would be a sign to me that they have been um, overemphasizing the optics of the situation. Uh, Because I think that's... Critical whenever you're making these things is to know what you have, um, know what you're actually talking about, know who your guy is. Um, and Chip Kelly, I think even if, you, even if you take the rosiest appraisal of Chip Kelly, it's that he might be building something now. We still don't know for sure. Um, and he needs to make some significant changes on the defensive side of the ball. That's the rosiest appraisal. And that's not a guy you give a max extension to. 
Um, and if they're doing anything beyond, I don't know, what would a nominal extension be? Probably. I, I not, mean, I can guess. Probably um, start at the last year's salary um, for this contract and then go up by like 10% each year, something I, like that. I would, yeah, no, I don't even know if you, I think the what we have to do is detach ourselves also from from being the bros because and I'm not saying everyone on the forum and on the site are wrong. I think I actually think everyone all the bros have the are more likely to have an accurate appraisal of what's going on at UCLA, but that's not the people who make the decisions out there when it comes to agents and administrators. Um, I don't think in any way that the offer would be a serious one or, or that it could be even on the table unless there was a raise. Um, so I'd have to say just, and this is just me guessing, please don't say this is in concrete. He's making five point six this year. You'd have to think it's at least six million a year. Yeah, That's so start just, with a ten percent raise and then just have it graduate by ten percent right. each year, something like that. Right, right. So let's say he's in the low six million range, six to six point two, something like that. Um, that's a lot of money. That still is gonna that. I mean, I don't have it all in front of me because all of these new salaries are are kind of ridiculous. But I still think that would put. You sell him among the top 15 or top 20 uh, programs in terms of coaches' salary. Yeah. Um, so uh, that's pretty that's pretty impressive right there. And, and remind me to talk about – well, I'll talk about it now. This is not your father's UCLA anymore. And it's funny because so many – we're all suffering a little bit from BBS – um, and in this instance, the BBS is that UCLA is cheap and can't afford anything. Yes, there is money limitations because it's a state school and it's dictated by the board of UC Board of Regents. But from what I've talked to people out in the industry who have nothing to do with UCLA, they are a couple of guys are related are within the represented the management and agency out there and and they've told me UCLA now is considered a good job. If you are going to pay someone 6 million plus um obviously it can recruit pretty well. You go to work in Bel Air, you'll live in West LA, great weather. I mean obviously Chip Kelly appreciates it. And the facilities at UCLA now are among the best on the West Coast. It's a great it's a it's a good job. It's now perceived as a good job. So I just wanted to make sure we I got that out because just to try to dispel and I understand it for the longest time, you know, UCLA couldn't afford to pay even what standard industry. And now with Chip Kelly, it's been top twenty to top fifteen in terms of salary, and I think it's still capable of doing that. It's a good job. Now, it's perceived out there among non-UCLA people as being a good job. Yeah, and I, I should make the point also that if you weren't going to make the decision to fire Chip Kelly, which is obvious now that they were not going to make that decision, um, you do have to provide a meaningful extension with raises because of that regent cap. What they can do if they continue to raise him every year, even if it's even if it's not ideal, like even if you say, oh, Chip Kelly, that guy's not worth 
whatever it would be after the end of a four-year contract where you're giving him 10% raises every year, 7.5 million, something like that. Yeah. Uh, he's not worth 7.5 million. And while that's true, the next guy may be worth uh, 8.9 or whatever that would be, 20% on top of that seven and a half. And that's the number they would need to get to based off of the last contract to hire the new coach. That regent cap is basically you can go 20% over whatever the last year's salary was without, without getting new right. approval. Without getting approval, yeah. Um, so that's the structure that UCLA is working within, um, and that's how they stay not beholden to basically the politics of um, you know uh, the regent board at any given moment is by staying with under uh, staying under that place where they can get automatic approval. So um, that's the reality of it. Now, the the, the this is where it gets kind of weird from a negotiation standpoint because. UCLA has to put something meaningful in front of Chip if they are not going to fire him. But they also don't want to make it so good that if Oregon, say, wants to poach him, uh, that you're putting up a whole lot of resistance. If you are acknowledging that, you know, Chip Kelly is probably not the answer, not the long term answer. Um, and that's where it's, you know, it's trying to gauge the, the temperature of the athletic department and also the major booster base to see whether. You know, are you sold on Chip Kelly? Are you still um, kind of on the fence about Chip Kelly? Um, and I think when we hear um, whatever this extension offer was, and we will hear if he accepts it, um, that'll be interesting uh, just to hear kind of what their thinking was at this at this point in time. Yeah. It, uh, the, when it comes to all of that, um there's a there's a delicate line between how much is Chip Kelly worth? Now, I know a lot of the bros are going to say, well, not much after these four years. Um, but you could make the case that UCLA and Martin Jarman, like you said, had to give him a raise and that the raise they gave him that they valued Chip Kelly as being worth it for the terms that they offered it, right? Given all of the parameters, just not what he's done on the field, but like what you said, being able to raise that salary base so you could hire the next guy, take all these things in into to, into you know factoring them all in. I think they think that it was worth this offer. Um, that they weren't stretching too much, that it was reasonable. Now, here's the interesting part about this too, is Jimmy Sexton, as we all have had an experience with him here at UCLA, because he was Jim Mora's agent, where, I don't know if it was every offseason, but it certainly seemed like it, that he was leveraging UCLA for a raise for Mora. I mean, this is what Jimmy Sexton does. Um, and... It's reasonable to think that he uh, got this offer from UCLA. He floated. He, uh, Jimmy Sexton's also very good at using the media. That he used the media to to generate like that. There was you know real true interest from Oregon. Where I'm hearing it from is coming from Oregon sources. So I have to believe that it's true. Um, but Sexton is a master of this. So now he has the offer from UCLA. He takes it back to Oregon. 
Let's just speculate that it's six million. The UCLA offers six million to six point two, six point three, somewhere in there. Oregon would have to come back at probably seven million. Uh, they were offering before they took it off the table. They offered Cristobal's extension. I think that Dave was at eight million a year. I think. Yeah, it was somewhere in that neighborhood. Right. So I think they'd have to do, if Chip Kelly likes UCLA, would rather live in in Southern California, his wife would prefer it. Oregon knows they have to have to do that. Um, then you'd have to naturally think Sexton will bring that back to UCLA because that's what agents do. And I've been told as of right now that UCLA won't counter. Um, so that's where this all lay. Where is the Oregon offer? Is it going to be just a minimal amount over the UCLA offer? Or is it going to be a significant one? And is that enough to get Chip Kelly to jump? Um, if he does, you know Sexton is going to manipulate the media and say, you know, he's going to trash UCLA through the media saying UCLA, you know, couldn't step up, didn't have the money. Oregon, with all of its resources and money, stole the coveted coach at UCLA, uh, you'll hear that. So there's a lot going on. There's a lot to consider. And you and I are just internet slappies. We know quite a lot, but we're, st we don't, we're not privy to absolutely everything. Um, here's the other thing to think about, too. Uh, you and I have our finger on the pulse of UCLA fans. Martin Jarman would have to think uh, if I bring back Chip Kelly for many of the reasons we we listed at the rate that we listed, is there any chance that the UCLA fan community jumps back on and supports Chip Kelly in, in any way? I have to think there's a huge faction of UCLA fans that are just done. They'll never get back on the bandwagon. I think that was true even this year. Um, I think there were I, – I, here's the thing. I think the last real opportunity was after that LSU game. Um, I think that's where a lot of people were like, oh, wow, maybe it's actually working. I certainly was. Um, but I think it's uh, midseason this year. I think uh, that was the nail in the coffin for a lot of people. Um, so – and I think this flirtation, what's going on right now um, – I don't think this is gladdening anyone's hearts towards Chip Kelly if he were to, you know, pivot and go back to UCLA um, and accept the extension as offered. Um, I, I think, you know, the, the dynamics of this will also continue to turn off some people. Um, and it might make it, I don't know, it's not as if this program really recruits too extensively, but it might make it a little bit untenable. Um you know, I mean, and they're losing coaches. I mean, they're potentially losing Jason Kafusi to um, to Arizona for the same job. Yeah, um, a lateral move, which is uh, well, we'll talk about that in a minute. But yeah, yeah. but they're they they've lost two of their I don't know four assistants who actually recruit heavily um, in Johnny Nansen and Jason Kafusi. So that's not great. Um, we don't know what's going on with the defensive coordinator position right now, whether that's going to be a meaningful part of any extension is that he has to replace that guy or no. But that's also an issue. Um, so there's uh, there's a lot going on here where I think it would be an it would be um, 
misunderstanding the fan base to think you can just extend chip and that's fine. Um, I think the minimum, bare minimum, would be an extension that requires Chip Kelly to make a change at defensive coordinator or an extension that comes with, look, you got to announce a firing right now and then you can sign this extension or whatever it is. But um, I, I think it would be it would be uh, drastically um, misunderstanding the mood of the fan base right now. And well, yeah, yeah, that, I, I just don't, I, I just yeah. don't think they can do it with like um, the expectation that just signing an extension will be something to like put in a press release and be excited about. Well, I have um, a friend who's a UCLA donor, and he brought up this point to me, and this is him speculating once again, speculation. Um, when UCLA signed Chip Kelly, uh, the UCLA powers that be at the time, I would say Chancellor Block and Dan Guerrero, uh, committed to giving Chip Kelly autonomy. That, that was part of the terms of his deal of coming to UCLA, that he would not be dictated to by any administration about various things in his program, including who he, who he chooses for his staff. This donor who I talked to said he would be shocked if Martin Jarman went back on that. Um, that he would have to honor that commitment, even albeit not a good one and a foolish one at the time, that it would be, it would not have a good look within their industry and internally if Martin Jarman went back on that. So that's what Jarman has to work with too. That he can't just, uh, you know, without any, without any second thought, without any ramification, he can't just put a criteria on coaching changes. Um, that would have to be, that would have to be manipulated and negotiated. Um, perhaps this is me speculating. Perhaps the offer on the table right now. Uh, if Chip came back and said, well, you know what? We want more money. You know, Jimmy Sexton saying that. We want more money. Perhaps one thing that Jarman could go to Kelly and Sexton and say, okay, well then we can get you more money, but we've got to come off this, this commitment that from the previous from Dan Guerrero and Chancellor Block that we can't dictate to you uh, your changes in your coaching staff. We'll give you more money, but we are going to dictate now to you. So maybe there's some negotiating going on here also. Maybe this original offer on the table was a little bit low to give Martin Jarman a little bit of room to be able to negotiate for coaching changes. Yeah, I mean, I, I I could see it. I guess my point would be, and this is a little bit revisionist and a little bit um, pointless at this point, but if you are in a situation with a coach you didn't hire, um, uh, who you are not completely sold on, who has a provision of some sort of agreement um, that you don't meddle in his situation, and the only reason, the only way out you can see for this guy to have success at your program is to meddle in his situation, then you need to fire him. Right. Um, I don't. You're saying that absolutely. No, I'm and, just saying like if you if you play out the logic of it, that's that's the only way that would make sense. Um, otherwise, you're positioning yourself in like 
a perpetual, perpetual area of weakness. Uh, I know. I don't know. I think the scenario I laid out, there's a way to negotiate to get out of it, potentially. Sure. Um, but there's yeah. also a way to just, you know, cut the knot rather than try to untie it. Well, absolutely. I mean, yeah. I mean, that will free you up of a lot of things if you fire someone. Right. But I'm saying if you're trying to work within the parameters of keeping him, yeah, there, there are maybe ways to negotiate your way out of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just, yeah. I guess my point is that that's um, you're you're creating that would be creating yourself a much more convoluted solution um, that may not work out. Um, which again, just kind of it, it gets a little a little far afield. Um, but so this is the, the the essentially the situation right now is waiting on uh, Oregon to um, decide what it's going to do here. Now, it sounds like they want to move quickly. I think, you know, having we've we've been doing this a little while, um, we, we can smell um, the fear of particular athletic departments. I would say Oregon smells very scared. They smell very panicked. Um, and I think they're going to make a move very quickly. That's that's the that's that's my my aroma that's wafting off of uh, Eugene, Oregon right now. Is that what you're getting? Um, I'm getting that the feeling from that too. Yes, but also John Canzano, who has a lot of good sources into Oregon. A lot of, I think, a lot of information that's that's planted with him, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's it's not accurate. He said he expects something to happen by dinner time Saturday night. That would either include or exclude Chip Kelly, um, and I think if they're prepared to do something by Saturday night, they've got to do something about Chip Kelly. Um, so, yeah, this is going to happen. This is going to happen quickly. Um, which to me doesn't like what you said. I don't know if I call it panic or just or just a really bad analysis and strategy. But okay, first. I, I think as time goes on, if they get a little bit of time in this, everything benefits them. <laughs> uh, 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 just from the Chip Kelly standpoint, the longer you go, the more panicked UCLA might get about uh, about the buyout and come down off the buyout. The closer you get to other candidates being freed up from their seasons. I mean, I, I can tell you this. I've heard Luke Fickle is not being hired by anyone including Notre Dame, because you just said, I'm not talking to anyone until my season's over. I yeah. mean, and talking about foolish, I, I consider it foolishness from what I heard. Luke Fickle coveted the Notre Dame game, uh, Notre Dame job, but Notre Dame wasn't going to wait on him and pulled the trigger on their DC. And now uh, that I, job might not open up again for 30 years. Who knows? <laughs> exactly. Uh, there's a lot of value in waiting, but as you know, you get a lot of flack because then there are so many reports that you're waffling. You don't know what you're doing. The The search has been, the, it, the pooch has been screwed just so much. And I think that really comes into play even more so than let's hurry up and get a coach in place to save the recru recruiting class. I mean, uh, the dead period starts Sunday night. Is uh, Hiring a guy now, is it really going to help? You, they can't. If you hire him by Saturday, I don't even know what time it starts, but he's not going to get in too many. He's not going to in too many living rooms by the time he's hired. 
So phone calls, I mean, is it without a unless, whole staff, unless is it really going to help? Unless he's currently recruiting illegally and not wearing, uh, you know, any apparel from his current yeah. school. Well, that's an if. That's true. I'm just <laughs> saying. I'm be? just speculating. I'm just throwing it out there. Sure. But that's kind of, a, I think that's just, I mean, I know Oregon really values its recruiting because it's done so well. But that's just, rushing into this, I think, is just foolish for them. But all indications coming out of Oregon is that they're going to do just that. So yeah, yeah, that's that's why I get the smell of panic on them. Uh, whenever you're making something very very quick happen, especially after something that I think was not unexpected, but maybe they were disrupted a little bit by the timing. Uh, Mullen certainly sounded pissy after Cristobal made his announcement. Um, so it does it does read a little bit panicked and a little bit rushed to me. I think it's always best to take a little bit more time, um, unless you have the situation that UCLA did with Jim Mora, um, and then to Chip Kelly took about. I mean, it took a a real little bit longer, but the like the the from firing to hiring took like five days. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be something to continue to monitor here at 1232 now. Uh, still still nothing, uh, nothing, nothing official on this, um, but something we're going to be closely monitoring uh, over the coming days. Um, uh, do we even want to speculate about who UCLA could go after, or do we want to wait on that? Uh, usually we wait, but this is a really unique situation we're in the middle of right here. It um, truly is. Let, let's just say this. If, if that number is true... That six million to six point whatever, you could get a lot of very good coaches for that amount of money. Yeah, and I think you could even get creative a little bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think people are um, maybe maybe uh, overselling a little bit how good of a job Baylor is. Um, I, I look, I'm not trying to be an arrogant LA person, but um, I think you can get Dave Aranda for. Close to seven million dollars a year. The feeling is that, of course, it's a private school, so they don't publicly reveal how much they pay their coach. But if you go around, you look at the internet. I mean, that's all I have to go on on this. But it looks like he's he was signed originally for two point five, but then he's making four million, and his buyout is four million. Yeah. So if he's making four million dollars, and UCLA comes in and says, "Here's six point three," you'd have to think that's pretty compelling. Obviously, Baylor will counter that. If it's comparable, I mean, Dave Aranda's from Southern California. He's got family here. You'd have to think, I'm not saying it's overwhelming choice, but you'd have to think that would be competitive. We're talking UCLA again, top 15 to top 20 paying head coaching job in the country. Yeah. Everyone's got to just try that on and keep wearing that. Yeah. I mean, that's... It's a desirable job, guys. So let's not discount that, especially at this number. Yeah. Um, well, and the thing is, we're talking about uh, essentially first-year salaries. I believe the way they can graduate the contract is started at whatever it would be, 6.8, um, and then basically have it go up. It's something between 10 and 20% every single year. So, so I think while, it would end up while, averaging something like 8 or $9 million, I think. I don't even know if I should give this credibility but there are some tweets out there that are just coming out that chip kelly was has agreed in principle with oregon but the sources are unknown so let's just not even give that any value but we're going to be there was a lot this. of that yesterday too so yeah. 
Yeah. Who knows? It's, it's kind of fun. It is fun. We're in the silly season. We are deep, deep, deep into the silly season. So let's just, we talked about Dave Aranda. Um, I, I, I've always maintained that UCLA, football or basketball, it needs a uh, a coach that's driven to win at this, who, who wants to be there and is driven to win at this level and recruits the crap out of it. Those three things, and let's just say, let's throw in, is a good basic coach. Doesn't have to be a super, super elite coach. Good coach with a good staff and good schemes. I'm not saying elite, just good. But all those other criteria, you will win at UCLA. You, you just, you will. And now the job has so many things going for it. Uh, there, you have so many resources. I would think for that amount of money, uh, I, I mean, let's just, let's throw out a couple other, I mean, Tom Herman, who's waiting in the wings as an analyst with the Chicago Bears. I know there's plenty of people with, oh, he didn't do well at, at uh, Texas. There's some downside to him. He's a fired coach. Tom Herman is is pretty much, a, he's a really smart guy and a really smart football guy. He recruits the crap out of it. I can probably go on a limb and say he'd want to be there. <laughs> I mean, he's from Southern California. He went to Cal Lou. Um, I think he would, I he, he checks off a lot of the criteria. I think he would do really well at UCLA. There might be, he's not perfect. I think we could come up with a number of those guys. And I don't even want to laundry list the other ones, but there's enough there. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, those two guys would make a lot of sense. Um, and I think there's uh, plenty others that if you wave enough money under their nose, it's going to get interesting. Like, I think UCLA could try to get into the poaching market. I just don't know if there's anyone else left to poach who would be exciting. I think Aranda mm -hmm. makes sense. Matt Campbell? Uh, I'm I'm not that excited about Matt Campbell. Um, okay, I think he's he, he strikes me actually as another bit of um, uh, what Trip was trying to do here, like the 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 program building, the long haul, and I mean, frankly, Iowa it, Iowa State is such a bad job that it's hard to go even close to apples to apples with what he's done there versus what he's doing, what he would potentially well, do at a UCLA. What I would say though is, if you look historically at coaches if they're able to build programs on on any level they can build a d2 program they can build an iowa state they're good program builders you compared him to chip kelly chip kelly i mean arguably has not exceeded expectation for building the ucla program like you said iowa state is not a good program what he's done with that program and building it has gone beyond expectation of building that program. You'd have to think he's a good program builder given the level and expectation of that of Iowa State. And yeah. That, that that translates, that scales up to UCLA, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, what we would, we, it would, it would, it would not be a bad hire. I would certainly say that he would just wouldn't be top on my list. Um, I would like I, that's why I like Aranda because um he's been 
an elite coordinator at several big time spots, um, Wisconsin, LSU, and now at Baylor, he's clearly had an immediate turnaround effect there. Um, and then Herman, I think he got kind of a raw deal at Texas. Um, and before that was one of the hottest names in college football. And it seems like Texas just chews up coaches. That's just what it does now. Yeah. Um, so I, I'd be intrigued by that one. I think you would have to do some real vetting on him um, to make sure that it was Texas and not Herman um, that was causing that whole kerfuffle. Um, but like those are the two guys that I'd be like, okay, sign me up. Um, Campbell, yeah, I mean that's fine. Campbell might be the one who's like the, yeah, actually, if you're thinking about it, he might be the Mick Cronin, yeah, of this cycle because it's like. That was basically my reaction to Mick Cronin. I'm like, eh, yeah, that's fine. You know, uh, okay. Uh, and I think that's what my reaction to Matt Campbell would be. And then he'd, uh, you know, have UCLA in the college football playoff in his second year, right? Yeah. Yeah. So there's uh, – I don't even want to keep laundry listing and going through a lot of coaches. It might be premature. We could turn around and Chip Kelly's still the coach, and we did what we don't want to do or say we won't do. But I just want to put – I don't think UCLA fans should panic. They're not going to go out and only be able to afford $3 million a year. They're going to be spending six plus. And you can get yourself a good coach with that. So I yeah, think we've I mean, done enough could, of providing examples to you could even that. pry. You could even pry Carl Durrell out of Colorado. Oh, there you go. Yeah. You like that? Yeah. Yeah, I bet you do. I mean, we could say Jim Trestle. We could, do you want to? We could go Jim Tracy. Oh, sorry, Jim Tracy. Joe That's Tracy. Joe Tracy. Joe Tracy. See, we both can't get it right. Yeah, we well, blocked. We we got we a little headlights in the guy. deer right there. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, so that's that's kind of the football head coaching speculation. Uh, other two big notes right now. We mentioned it up top. Jason Kafusi more than likely going to Arizona. Uh, Johnny Nansen already at Arizona. Uh, Jed Fish poaching two of. Are they the two best recruiters on staff? I mean, Jerry Neuheisel has been pretty good, but yeah, no, I'd say over the course, uh, over the course, they have more years under their belt than Jerry. So yes, yeah, two so. best. And and here's the, this is this is us speculating. Jason Kafusi makes a lateral move to go to Arizona, a one and eleven program. Um, coaches do make these choices for a few things, for a few reasons. Are you going to be paid more? I'd have to think. He's not going to be paid that much more. Um, are you are you getting a a better title? I mean, some coaches actually take a pay cut for a you know they're making five hundred thousand dollars as a as a uh, power five assistant coach, and they go they go to a group of five to be a head coach, and they take a pay cut. I mean, that happens all the time. Um, but this move would. There's something there's something Jason Kafusi is not happy with at UCLA. Could it be that he's sensing he's going to not have a job at UCLA soon? Again, just speculating. Two, could he could he I mean Kafusi is a he's a very good recruiter. It could very well be uh, you know he's just tired of of not having an emphasis and focus on recruiting at UCLA in the way that he would want it to be. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think there's, 
I I've I can imagine there's some consternation because I've heard this in the past from assistants um, when the head coach isn't involved in recruiting and you need him to do the closing and he's just not doing it. It makes you look bad. Um, and I don't I don't know if exactly that's what's going on here, but that would make sense um, with all the data we have on Chip Kelly as a recruiter. There's there are other things, too. I just put up on the forum that I, I'm now hearing that it's not completely certain that running back Zach Charbonnet and Sean left tackle Sean Ryan will jump to the NFL. I'm sure they'll get a, a draft grade. But the feeling now is that the two are starting to think they could return. The next question always is, well, is that with this staff? <laughs> well, I'd have to assume that they're thinking, yes, it's with this staff, first off. If there's a new staff, you know, that has to be a contributing factor in a decision. But that's the latest we've heard. There are other transfer guys. We're hearing new ones all the time. Uh, I've got a story ready. Chris Adamora, the safety from Texas, who was originally from Southern California. UCLA was one of his finalists. He chose Texas over UCLA. He's in the portal. I know UCLA is recruiting him. Christopher Brooks, the running back from Cal. I know UCLA has reached out to him. Uh, he might very well be concerned <laughs> that Charbonnet might come back. Uh, that was probably going to be a factor in, in his decision. And any running back transferring to UCLA, their decision. So there's so much going on <laughs> right now. And it's it's so tough to even think about recruiting, given what what the bigger headline is and how that affects recruiting. UCLA has 12 verbal commitments that it would expect to sign on Wednesday. It had two other booms, which it also would have expected to sign. So 14 guys. Who knows? First, who knows what will happen if Chip Kelly does leave? Secondly, if he doesn't sign a new contract with UCLA by then, how that affects those 14 guys and whether they'll sign at UCLA. So... There's a lot going on, Dave. A lot of moving parts. Many moving parts. Um, should we should we close with a little bit of hoops? Sure, sure. You got it in you. Yeah, I you mean, you got some juice left. Yeah, probably the headline. I, if I had to guess, I would say we will not see Cody Riley play against Marquette. We will see Jaime Hawkes, but we will not see. Uh, Riley, I think Cronin will not want to play him if he can't, if he doesn't have 100% Riley. 100% meaning not only is his knee okay to play with a big brace, but can he actually, does he have the stamina? Can he actually, you know, play at 100% effort given that he hasn't? It's awfully hard to, to, to work out when it's a knee. So, yeah. um, I would think he's not going to play. Uh, that's the headline right now. Um, the other headline is, wow, every team is, every major, after Purdue, did you watch the Purdue game? Yes. Every highly ranked team now has a loss. Except for? Except for? Baylor and Arizona. Uh, Arizona should be Arizona. a top 10, top 5 team right now. Yeah. Arizona looks like mini Gonzaga to me. Yeah. Yeah. 
We I'm worried that, about Arizona. I called that beginning of the year that they were going to be good. Don't don't just discount them because there's potential sanctions hanging over their head. They were going to be good. Yeah, they're they're going to be really good. They're they're right now the best team in the league. UCLA's got to step up quite a bit. Yeah. So that's that's a that's that's a headliner for me. Um, yeah. The way they're like the thing is what they're doing is they haven't really played anybody that good. I think Michigan's really overrated. But what they're doing is absolutely annihilating crappy teams, which is what Gonzaga always does. Just yeah. blow them out by 50. Blow them out by 50. Blow them out by 50. That's what they do. It's not good. We don't yeah. like watching that. Um, yeah, so the Marquette game should be fun. Uh, Marquette's a decent team. It's a true road game. Uh, I think it will be uh, close and fun. Um, and even without Cody Riley, uh, UCLA should win, but could be interesting. Uh, you know, if they do lose that one, it's not great. Not great for the resume. Not the worst loss in the world. Uh, Shaka Smart plays a very odd style. Um, he's he's very, very up-tempo. He's gone back to more of that tempo style from his uh, VCU days. So that'll be that'll be interesting to see. And then uh, Tracy, and it's 1247 right now. Oh, yeah, that's true. I forgot about this. Yes, and the reason we forgot about it is? Um, because Mark Mitchell should be announcing... But then, well, no one ever announces at exactly one o'clock. They always, right. But very soon. And I can say, because you're not going to put this up until one thirty, right? Correct. Yeah, he's he's picking Duke. Yes, he's picking Duke. It went, it was back and forth. It was a back and forth affair. And then uh, the fourth ended with. Uh, and, and this sounds like sour grapes. And, you know, if Duke fans want to take it as that. Um, but I can say if now, they're still listening right now, that's insane. <laughs> because I didn't, you know, I didn't want to, I don't want to say this beforehand, but I think you guys all trust my judgment when it comes to player evaluation and personnel. Um, would have been great to have Mark Mitchell. Great. I watched him in two games recently that he played with his high school team that were on ESPN. Watched the full games. He's not a one and done in any way, shape, or form. He is a 6'8", six, 6'9", six, and he should be a power forward with his back to the basket, but no one wants to do that. So he's facing the basket. He does not shoot very well. He's decent with the ball on the floor. Uh, he's a long athlete. He'll rebound. His best offense is when he posts up, but he doesn't want to. Um, he's going to be raw. And given the guys who could return next year for UCLA, um, I'd say uh, I don't know how he would necessarily fit. Would you take a raw 6'8 wing and play him over Jalen Clark no. as a junior? No. No way. No way. So it, this isn't a major loss. Adem Bona is going to play. I've also watched his games. That dude is a 6'8", 6'9", freaky athlete who also can't. You know what? He can't shoot, but I think I'd almost rather have him take the ball off on the bounce, facing the basket from the top of the key, rather than Mark Mitchell. I mean, Bona's pretty good at it. But man, rebounding beast, shot blocking beast, quick feet. Will be able to switch on to smaller. I think he's quicker than Mark Mitchell, so that is a guy who's going to come in and impact 
immediately because he'll be able to play Mick Cronin's kind of defense. This is not a big loss losing Mark Mitchell. Would you like to have him? Absolutely. But I don't know where they would get the playing time next year. I'd have to assume two. We talked about Peyton Watson. I still think Peyton Watson, I don't think he's ready to go and he shouldn't go, but I think it's kind of preordained that he's going to go. Uh, probably preordained to that Johnny Juzang is going to go, regardless of where he's projected. Right. So, but even if you, and maybe Jaime Hawkes returns, but if you just look at the roster and think that those two guys are leaving and Cody Riley, I don't know where Mark, Mark Mitchell is not going to play over Jay Clark. He's, he's just not. And you're going to have a great backcourt with Amari Bailey and Tiger Campbell and, you know, probably Jules Bernard returning for a super senior year. I don't, I don't see where Mark Mitchell next necessarily would carve out a lot of time. I mean, you've all been got a dose of reality of watching Peyton Watson. Uh, Peyton Watson is a lot better prospect than Mark Mitchell. Um, so there, there you go. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll, I'll go one stronger because I have no problem being. Uh, uh, you know, people think looking at me funny for uh, being a sour grapes guy. Uh, this would have been over my limit of five stars that I'm permitting Mick Cronin to take in a single cycle. He um, listens to you too, from what I've heard when you say that. Yeah, yeah I think he yeah. should. Um, no, because then you become uh, you, you get you get uh, you don't want to fly so close to the sun that you end up with UCLA's 2008 recruiting class, um, and that was in real danger of happening if they'd gotten Mark Mitchell, and now it won't. So these guys will be good instead. Um, well, you... just along those, you all have to know what it's like to take these five-star guys who have been pumped up and hyped up. They have entourages, which include their parents, that think they are one and done. And if they aren't, they're gonna be. There's gonna be something to deal with with their parents and their and their entourage. That just is. Um, Peyton Watson, I can say, comes from a great family. If there's a five-star kid who hasn't, you know, earned an amazing amount of time, whose family is taking it really well, it's Peyton Watson. But he's an extreme <laughs> exception to the rule. So along to, to your point, recruiting too many five-star guys, unless they come in and they're amazing and they're playing 28 minutes a game, you're going to have a lot of off-the-court issues dealing with their family, their entourage, their AU coach, everything. Yep. More Jalen Clarks, no more Mark Mitchells. That's my motto. All right. Tracy Pearson, is that it for you? You sound spent. You sound uh, drained. You I'm sound tired. devoid of all liquid. You can tell in my voice, right? You can oh, yeah. No. Yeah. From start to finish today, you have been an Iron Man. Thank but you. uh, you're going to need to hibernate, I think, this weekend. Yeah, I'm going to take a nap right now. You think it'd be convenient for me to take a nap right now? I think that I can't see any reason why you shouldn't. <laughs> okay. All, All right. right. Well, for Tracy Pearson, I'm David Woods, Bruno Report Online. Hopefully this whole thing isn't outdated by the time I get it up. See y'all.